a common misconception of people is I don't want to go to church because they're going to be Bible thumpers or, or make me want to believe in God. And I tell, I have guys that come to my foundations of freedom that they'll be honest with me. Like, Hey, I don't really believe in this God guy, but I want help. Like I want to stop. And I tell them, okay, just be open-minded. And my prayer for you is that throughout this next six to 12 months, that one day God taps you on the shoulder spiritually and says, come home. We at the Collective Perspective Podcast have set out on a mission to understand some of the most impactful and controversial trends and topics in our lives today. Hi, I'm Jeff. I'm Travis. I'm DJ. Can we find common ground in the middle in a peaceful manner? Not for political gain. But for real community benefit. We believe so. As veterans and concerned citizens, we are bringing together diverse views and fact-based research to navigate this tough terrain in search of a viable path forward. Only time will tell, but if we listen with open minds and try to understand each other, we just may find a solution. Or two, collectively. That is why we care about what you have to say. If something piques your interest or ruffles your feathers or tickles your fancy or whatever else you'd like, leave us an audio message at podinbox.com backslash collective perspective podcast, all one word, or directly on our show page at mtsjacks.fm backslash collective perspective podcast. You'll have to log in, but that won't cost much more than your time. We'll be discussing your messages on the show, whether you give us a high five or say, hey, you better do some fact checking, fool. As long as it's positive and it's your perspective, we'll possibly give you some airtime. But remember, it needs to be family-friendly and not defamatory in nature. Hey, everybody. This is Collective Perspective Podcast, and we're here in sunny Jacksonville, Florida, talking with you collectively from the Main Street Suite at Mixed Theory Studios. Collectively. Hey, everybody. This is the Collective Perspective, and this is Jeff and Travis. Here we are tonight with a special guest, and I'll introduce him in a moment, but I just wanted to go over kind of uh, the premise of this specific podcast. And uh, last week we talked about what is available to those that are homeless, the different communities, mainly it's just church that's really helping homeless people. They're one of the most visible places to get assistance that most people would have contact with. And like our guest mentioned, and a lot of people... Uh, kind of shy away from the word of God or Jesus, but the church is made of people and sinners. And so the church is never perfect. You just have to find your church and your community. And I believe our guest, Tommy Ferretti, has done that. Tommy and I attended the same church. He still attends Elevate Life Church. I've always admired him. The reason I admired him is because if you come from the bottom to where this man is, you have to admire someone like that. You have to admire that he didn't give up. He, he is a, a fitness instructor at Orange Therapy in Oakleaf. Correct. Which is actually Jacksonville. Orange Oak, Theory. Orange Theory. Did I say Orange Therapy? Yes, but that's an ongoing joke. A lot of people call it that. But is it kind of like your barber? You go and talk to Tommy. Tommy, I got these problems. and Well, funny you say in the fitness industry, I would say over half of the people are there for talking rather than physical they're there for some type of sense of community is what you're saying Correct. social club absolutely social club oh okay look we're finding other uh communities out there tommy is uh recently engaged congratulations but that's quickly turning into married would you like to talk on that i am getting married to my best friend march 26th of this year so 16 days away oh wow that is close oh, yeah. wow <laughs> hey, no joke no joke Someone who's under some stress right now. I've found peace, and I know God has aligned us up for a reason. 
from my experience, you gotta let the women stress over that stuff. You just go, mm. yes, honey. You know, happy wife, happy life. I'm very uh, open to submitting to her daily. <laughs> nice. Well, you can be very successful. Other than being a fitness instructor, you have a foundation. Foundations of Freedom. Yes, sir. Foundations of Freedom. What can you tell us about this foundation? Yes, sir. So Foundations of Freedom is essentially a sober living environment here in Jacksonville where we provide tools to succeed for addicts and alcoholics, people that are looking for recovery. So essentially it's a sober living house. Some people get it confused with the halfway house. Halfway houses are a little bit different. I put together a curriculum that combines both the secular and the biblical principles of recovery. So we sit down and provide a safe environment that's drug and alcohol free and tools to build their foundation to ultimately freedom. What is the difference between a halfway house? So typically halfway houses are usually owned by a government and it's for people that are just coming out of jail or prisons. And essentially they're usually kind of like a hospital setting or almost a jail setting. You find them in rough neighborhoods or ran by the government. There's actually staff um, there on the premises. So we're in the luxury apartments. They have a pool, gym access. It's a home and there is no staff. We run it ourselves. I'm there doing the same curriculum as them on a daily basis, chasing God, chasing recovery, chasing the 12 steps. And the government has nothing to do with it. It's fully funded. It's a nonprofit. And the residents actually pay their own way. So I provide tools to help them get jobs and resume writing, job interview training, all that stuff. Now, I may have asked you the question, but I, I knew a lot of that. But the reason I wanted you to come on was because I want people to give you money. I really do. How would someone donate to you? Yeah, it's as easy as going to our website, which is uh, www.foundationsoffreedominc.com slash donate. And they could donate as little or as much as they would like to donate. Every dollar counts. I love being able to sponsor people so they don't have to pay their first couple weeks until they get a job and then they can pay their own way. We have a partnership with Clay County Jail and Duval County Jail where people get out and they have nowhere to go. And I usually use that donation money to be able to give them a place to stay off the rip for the first couple of weeks as they stay clean and get their own job. That's cool. So once they get their own job, they could either continue to live there or move on, or is it meant to stay there? So the curriculum is a minimum of six months. There's no locks in the doors or anything. They could leave at their own will, but um, I usually want them to commit to completing the curriculum. So it would be about six right. months to get through the full curriculum, get a job, and then it is my full intention to help them save money so they can get their own apartment. And I am more than happy to help them move into their own. You know, it's all about, like I said, building the tools for long-term recovery and becoming self-sufficient instead of sufficient on their parents or their wives or their kids or whatever they were being dependent on. Or a lot of times they were homeless and had nothing to depend on anyway. So learning how to live life on their own. And we've already discussed that this is specific to people coming out of uh, incarceration, coming out of jail, correct? No, I do have a partnership with Duval in Clay County Jail. Okay, okay. However, that is not a requirement. Got it, So got I it. have people, multiple people, that just had enough of drinking, had enough of drugging, hit a bottom. They had nowhere else to go. They burnt all their bridges. I have one person, their fiancé kicked him out of the house because he was coming home intoxicated. Uh, every night I have another person who just burnt all their bridges with their family and they were living hotel to hotel. Another guy that was living in the woods. And then I have two guys now. One guy that was in St. John's County Jail and one guy that was in Clay County Jail. How many people do you have now currently that you're helping? So I currently have six cool. in the program. 
and I have a total of about, I would say about 12 people that are currently undergoing the exact curriculum, but they all don't necessarily live in the housing at the time. Is there anything holding you up from taking on new clients? Yeah, so I'm actually in the process of raising funds to open up a second location so I could take on six more guys. My goal is to have three locations so I can have a total of 18 guys by the end of this year. What made you decide on a six-month program for them? Is there research that maybe backs up that if you make it through that six-month program, you're more inclined to stay sober or you have a better chance at staying sober? I would say it's definitely a case-by-case situation for the person. I think to be safe, I would definitely suggest 12 months. Like I said earlier, minimum would be six months to get the curriculum done. So to go into it a little bit, statistically, if you've ever talked about statistics on the show, one out of 10, Always. yeah, one out of 10 addicts um, that want to stay sober, make it to 12 months sober. Only one out of 10. One out of 10. So 10%, they have a 10% chance of recovering. Um, Why is it? It's just, it's because the disease is just so, so tough. And usually people try to do it on their own. They don't have the right community uh, set up in place. They haven't gone through the right steps to overcome to unmask why they're using so they don't get down in into that internal beast in them they're trying to fill a hole you're trying to fill a void and if you don't fill that void with for me it was god uh for for the secular person it might be whatever spirituality they're looking for but you need to fill that hole with something positive not the drugs and if you just white knuckle it for a couple months, which I've, I've seen a lot of addicts and alcoholics do. They try to white knuckle it and they're thinking about drinking and drugging all day and they stay sober for 90 days. But as soon as they're done white knuckling it, they go and use. So you got to eliminate that want to use drugs or alcohol. And I would say the minimum requirement of alcohol really targets how to figure out what is the reason I'm getting high? What is the reason I'm running away? What am I masking from my past, present, or even anxiety of my future. What am I so worried about that I need to mask these feelings with self-medication, which is drugs and alcohol? And so the curriculum I designed kind of attacks that in so many different ways. So they, part of the curriculum is the 12 steps of AA and A, uh, but we, we focus on AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, so the 12 steps, um, steps one through 12, which could take anywhere between three in nine months, depending on your sponsor and how you are working those steps. Second requirement, we do celebrate recovery meetings, which is a faith-based 12-step program. So we do celebrate recovery meetings. We do AA meetings. You go into the 12 steps. We have um, multiple churches in the area offer it, but we are very close to Elevate Life Church. We have something called a freedom group. And freedom goes over any kind of past hurts, hangups, habits you may have had from the past. It doesn't have to necessarily directly correlate with addiction or alcoholism. It could be anything from abuse, neglect, abandonment. It could be anything you've struggled with from childhood that you've never been able to bring to the table and address. That typically is usually one of the underlying reasons why people run to alcohol or drugs. It could be PTSD from military. It could be a numerous amount of things. You mentioned childhood. Where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in New York. New York. Okay. Yes, sir. And what brought you to creating this foundation? I have personally, I've struggled with addiction and alcoholism since the age of uh, 12 years old, 13 years old. It was my first drink and drug. 
I don't like playing the blame. Ultimately, it was my decision. But my parents got divorced when I was about 11 years old. And the household was split. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was with one parent, I was around one type of people. And when I was with another parent, I was with another type of negative people. And I quickly masked, I guess, with the abandonment, the hurt of my parents leaving. I started, you know, just drinking smoking pot it started you know with with the small stuff but as soon as i started drinking i quickly knew that my king lived in a bottle i was i loved the feeling of not feeling you know i was in love with the mm-hmm. feeling and not feeling immediately and that just we led, know the feeling yeah, yeah yeah and uh it just led to more and more and more and uh anybody with an addictive personality knows the instant gratification of wanting more of whatever it is and it led me down a dark path of in and out of jails. I was in prison for four years. I was in the military prior to prison, but I would never succeed anywhere because drugs and alcohol would always bring me so far down that I lost any opportunity I had. I got to the hard drugs. I, I became a garbage head. If you, if you told me you got me high, I'd give me two of them. I, I don't care what it was. I was a, literally a human garbage pail. Was it just the addiction of feeding that uh, euphoria that you wanted? It all started with fun. You know, it was always fun. You know, it was getting out of myself, becoming more confident, having a way with the ladies, with the boys, with, you know, just hanging out and being the cool guy. And it was fun until it it was fun with problems. During that time, it was, I was definitely the happy drunk. And then it was being drunk with problems where I I would drink at work, you know, because I always wanted that euphoric feeling. Mm. So it became drinking with problems until then it came to a point where I was drinking just to not withdraw. You know, I was drinking alone throughout the day just so I didn't have the shakes. I was addicted to alcohol, cocaine, I mean, pain pills. It was everything. And it became where I was just trying not to get sick. So there was no more fun to it at all. It was just problems and trying to avoid being sick. At that point, it became you were doing it so you could function. So I could function. It was years and years and years of a progression to get to that point. But it finally did get to that point. And throughout this time, I have um, four children of my own. And I would always uh, compare myself to the person that's worse off than me. When I had everything, I'd be like, oh, well, at least I have a car and, and kids and, and a girlfriend and, and all these things. And then I would lose the car and be like, well, at least I have a house and a and kid. And then I'd lose my job and be like, well, I still have my kids. And then eventually I was missing that mark where I always told myself I would never neglect my kids. And it got to the point where it was a Christmas of 2018 and I sold all my kids Christmas presents for drugs. And at that moment, I became that guy I promised I'd never become. At that point, I was technically homeless. You know, we talked about being homeless, and one of them is drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I became the person I said I'd never become and attempted suicide. Uh, drove my car into a tree at 80 miles an hour. Woke up in the hospital broken. I have my hip and my femur is all metal, and my lungs were collapsed. I had no teeth. I mean, staples all over my body. And at that moment, there was a pastor from Elevate Life Church that came to the hospital and said, well, I told him I need to get out of the hospital so I could finish the job. And he was like, well, you know, God doesn't want you dead. If you go try it again, you're just going to get uglier and you're pretty damn ugly right now. So maybe you don't want to try it again. Uh, if I were you, I would get help and, you know, chase God and, and try to get help. And mind you, at this point, I've been in halfway houses. I've been in treatment programs. I've been in different things, but nothing ever worked. For some reason, I just never was able to get to the root of the issue. And this brings me to why I started Foundations of Freedom. So I listened to my spiritual father, who's the pastor at the time and still is. 
And he was like, do, do all these things, do AA, do church, do a celebrate recovery, do freedom group, read this book, purpose driven life. And finally, after 20 something years of getting high and drinking, I gave myself to God and, and just did these things. And all of a sudden I didn't want to drink anymore. I called the nurses and said, no more opioids. Like, I don't want no more pain. And they're like, you're crazy. You have a fake hip. We just replaced, you need the drugs. And I'm like, no, Tylenol and Motrin. Like, I'm done. I'm never getting high again. So something clicked with me. And then there was a couple people, the other six I was telling you about that asked me for help. And I told them to do these things. And they're still sober to this day. You literally had a come to Jesus moment. Literally. And you were were open for it. At that point, you were ready to receive that. Correct. I completely surrendered my will and my life over to God that day. And I, I'll be honest with you. I always believed there was a God, you know, I was born and raised Catholic and Lutheran and, and all that, but I didn't think God was powerful enough to save me or help me, but I was willing to go to any lengths at that moment in the hospital. And I said, I'll try anything. Okay, God, I give you my life. I give you my will. And slowly but surely that built to the relationship I have with them today. I submit my life every day. And just the God moments I have on a daily basis, the blessings that come are just beyond. It's insane. I think a lot of people miss those moments because their judgment is clouded or their mind may be clouded that God works in mysterious ways. And it's not always, oh, here's a thousand dollars. God is always something that is good, whether you believe in him or not. Like here's an opportunity to paint somebody's house for a thousand dollars. You're given an opportunity and whether you see that or not. I think some people just are blind to it. They want the easy way. They think, especially with the kids today, that it's an instant gratification type of society these days. Give me this, give me that. It sounds like you are more aware of the the blessings that come into your life, whether it is that odd job on the side for the extra cash, or it's that extra few moments with your kids before they go to bed at night, or whatever it is, you're seeing those moments clearly now. Absolutely. It's pretty incredible, man. Uh, you know Cleo Kellogg. Um, Correct, yep. He he was on last week giving you props. He said that you were building halfway houses. Um, a lot of times halfway houses would take sex offenders. We don't take sex offenders. Uh, can I say thank you, Jesus, on that one? Ha, amen. <laughs> you know, man, I have, I have compassion for many people in life, different upbringings, but I just don't understand that. And it's funny that you bring that up because our, our next uh, docu-series uh, after homelessness is sex trafficking. So uh, we're looking forward to that topic. So with your recovery, it's one day at a time. That's one of the one of the mottos there. Absolutely, one day at a time. And is that a message that we can get out to just anybody? Say, hey, call your sponsor. It is one day at a time, literally. Yep, it's one day at a time. You know, we can't change the past. And if we worry about the future, we're letting something that we don't even know takes space in our head and ruining the moment of the day. So really all we have is today. So what can I do? And I'm a big firm believer in, you know, it's kids ministry and in church. If you go to any church, pretty much you're going to hear the kids and my kids remind me of it all the time. Do your best and let God do the rest today. So all I could do is do my absolute best today. If I sit down and analyze, am I doing everything I can to make today the best I can? then I have nothing else to worry about because no matter what, if I did my best, there's literally nothing I could do in my power to change it. So why worry about, you know, what else is going to happen? Well, that's why they call today the present. Correct. It's a gift from God. And all you have is today. Tomorrow's not promised for any of us. 
we talked about this before on the podcast is uh, you are what you eat. Literally, you feed yourself with negativity. You get negativity in return. You mm-hmm. feed addiction with drug, alcohol, whatever it is. You're going to continue that cycle. Uh, you put good things into your body, good thoughts, good feelings, good friends around you. And your environment that you surround yourself with, you will have a better chance to succeed. We're all going to have bad days, man. I mean, I know uh, one time I told my son I just had a really bad day and I wasn't really nice. And I said, you know what? Daddy just wasn't the best version of himself today. And I'm sorry. And uh, ever since that moment, man, I'm just like, I strive to be the better me every day. Whether it's interaction with my friends, my customers, just random people that I meet. Just showing a little bit of compassion for them. I think it's great what you're doing. Stepping out of uh, not just helping yourself, but helping others and showing them the way because there's nothing like proof. There's nothing like, look, I've done this. I know what you're going through, man. You can talk to me. Yeah. And if I could do it, literally anybody could do it. I believe that anybody can do it and it's hard for some people. But did you mention that if you ever became that person, you would, you would stop. And when it came to selling your kids Christmas presents. You're like, oh my God, I've become that person. And you wanted to end it all right then, it sounded like. Yes, sir. So your motivation after that, did you have to find your motivation or was that your kids, your family, your motivation to maintain the the lifestyle that you have now? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. It's a deep question. So I think sitting in that hospital room, going back to that moment, I believed Pastor Mark when he said, God doesn't want you dead and you're going to get uglier. So I think in my head, I'm like, okay, well, I didn't have the best mindset at the time. So I was like, okay, well, I'm stuck. It seems as though I'm stuck living this life. So do I want to go live under a bridge or do I want to try something new? Well, even at that point, you were on pain meds. Y- yeah. Yeah. And so I, you weren't completely there. Right. And I, I had two decisions and selfishly, and I knew at that moment, I wasn't going to see my kids for a long time just because of what I did and what I've been doing. So it wasn't necessarily about that, but it was either... Do I want to live in hell? Because I'm going to live either way. At this point, God didn't want me dead. I'm living either way. So do I want to live in hell? Or do I want to give give it a shot? And even if there's that little smidget of hope of happiness, do I want to give it a shot? And I chose, God, give me my life back and show me the way. And we, you spoke on it a little earlier. Sometimes God is through people. And in the beginning, before I accepted Jesus as my Savior, God was good, orderly direction. G-O-D. And I was through people, through the pastors of the church, through the long-term people, recovery and Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was just receiving good orderly direction until I realized and put two, to, two together that it's Jesus putting these people in my path. That's giving me this good orderly direction. And March of 2020, I publicly gave my life to Jesus and got baptized at Elevate Life Church as an adult. And I washed away my past. And just, I remember that day. Great. Yeah. Yep, yeah. I was in a, I was actually in a walker or a cane at the time, and Pastor Tim had to help me in the dunk tank because I, I couldn't even I was broken still. You know, it took a long time to heal. Uh, but your brain, your brain was healing. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing story. That's that's uh, congratulations. Thank you, sir. It's no small feat. I mean, we give ourselves so much and give of ourselves so much, and taking in Christ as your Savior that's a big deal in a person's life. I just want to note that uh, the last three podcasts, a lot of church has been mentioned. And I think it's just God's given his perspective. 
and there'll be other topics that I'm sure that these things come up, but I want people to know that, you know, if you're looking for community, you should reach out to your church, find a church. If you really need help, there are people out there specifically like Tommy that will help you. A common misconception of people is, I don't want to go to church because they're going to be Bible thumpers or, or make me want to believe in God. And I tell, I have guys that come to my Foundations of Freedom that they'll be honest with me, like, hey, I don't really believe in this God guy, but I want help. Like, I want to stop. And I tell them, okay, just be open-minded. And my prayer for you is that throughout this next six to 12 months, that one day God taps you on the shoulder spiritually and says, come home. You're here. And it's happened. I've seen people that were uh, agnostic give their life to God and become baptized as well, you know, through the program. And it's just being open-minded. But at the very least, like you just said, the church will give you a community and they're not going to force you to believe what you don't want to believe, but they're going to love you. And my motto is I'm going to love you until you love yourself. And they're going to love you until you love yourself and until you accept God's love. And it's all love. And we are, you said it in the beginning, nobody in the church is perfect. It's a hospital. We're all broken people. We're all sinners. Jesus is the only one who doesn't sin. We're all sinners. We're all broken. The church is just a hospital. It's a bunch of people that come together that want to get better together. That is a great testimonial. Thank you very much for that. Now, getting to your foundation, have there been any obstacles to achieve your goal? Has the government helped or hurt in any way as far as being able to provide the service that you're providing? I would have to say neither. They haven't hurt nor helped. If anything, I would have to say they just haven't been helpful. I have applied for grants or whatnot. There's so many boundaries and stipulations and with the government of loops that people have to go through. So for example, like if somebody's coming out of Duval County Jail and they have nowhere to go and they have no ID and all these things, I mean, the government, it seems as though if they're going to put them in a shelter or they make them go through all these loops to get an ID, a social security card, just to be able to get a job and all these things. And I will say on, on the other side of things, if somebody had nowhere to go and they reached out to the church, the church has been quick to say, Tommy, here's some money to get this guy in and they don't have to have an ID and and I take it from there. So it just seems as though they've complicated it if I rely on them, which is why I've gone the nonprofit route and relied on the love of the community and the churches. I mean, police officers love it too, man. I mean, absolutely. I actually just was at an event with the Clay County Sheriff's Office on Tuesday night, opioid um, awareness, and they're quick to point people to the church now rather than sometimes their own resources. To me, that's good to hear. Do you think that there would be a way that the government could help make it easier to, say, secure funding? I would say the biggest hurdle for any business or any kind of this would be a financial hurdle. So I would say making it easier to access funds to make things happen. Okay. Because I'll tell you, if, if I had the funds, I'd, I would have three or four locations right now. Dude, to get the government to do anything, like for example, not to take it out of topic, but if you were to try to go open something, uh, a business like the studio, for example, mm-hmm. it took them over a year. I mean, a lot of excuses in the COVID or whatever, but it's, just the red tape that you have to go through to get anything from the government and then the the amount of time you have to wait it's the bureaucracy you know, like, this guy needs a home now correct what what is great about having uh, the private entity fund it like the churches is that like you said hey pastor i got this guy that really 
Here you go, Tommy. Exactly. And if, if you don't know another statistic, I love statistics, but if an addict or alcoholic reaches out for help, typically, and this is stretching it, but you have 24 hours to get them in somewhere to help before they change their mind and go get high or start drinking again. Mm. I think it's more closer to that 12-hour mark. That's interesting. But if you don't get them in 24 hours, they're, they're, back, they're back out there getting high again. And who knows, they might, God forbid, overdose or just not make it back to that mental state to say, I want help again. I'm a, a nurse and I work in an emergency room. And where I'm located at, we have uh, representatives that help people get into a certain house or recovery, but they have to want it. How would someone talk to a person who has just overdosed and get them to maybe find their motivation at that time to want to seek that help or to go through with it? The quicker, the better. The quicker, the better. I, I feel as though in my experience, people that just overdose and were Narcan or whatever the case may be, you're going to see one of two things from them. They're going to be very upset with you, mm-hmm. that you that you ruined their high by Narcanning them. I've seen that. And they're going to be pissed off. Or they're going to be like, wow, I can't believe I almost just died. I can't do this again. You didn't want to be uglier. I didn't want to be uglier. Right. Right. So, <laughs> you know, it, you have that moment of you really have two decisions. I'm going to eat, keep living this way. It was more than that. Or I'm not. Yeah. And um, so to answer your question, I think once somebody survives an overdose, they don't have too long. They would need to get into some kind of treatment and away from the situation that put them in that spot. I've found that the people that we work with were at my location. They're really great. Sometimes they are unable to find a a bed for them and they tell them, all right, I'll call you tomorrow morning. First thing in the morning when this bed opens up and make sure you get there. Too late. Apparently it it sounds like it it may be if, if, you know, they say 24 hours, but I tend to want to agree with you that it's probably much less than that before mm-hmm. they've changed their mind. Mm-hmm. Once they leave our doors, we have no control and, and we don't have control when they're there. I mean, they can get up and walk out at any time. But once they leave the doors, they're back in the situation that they were in before they came in. Because they know nothing else. Right. So you think about it. I mean, I've, I've, I had a guy who couldn't get into a detox right away and, you know, it was, it was somewhere downtown, I believe. And while he was waiting for that bed, he went to the same hotel he was at with the same people with the same drugs. And I I don't know if he ever made it back. I mean, he never made it to my program. So because he was pushed away, he was, you know. And that, and that's unfortunate. And I think we need more people like you that are able to be that shepherd, be that guide for people to say, Hey, it, it can be done, and this is how I did it. So let's see if it works for you. Do you tailor anything to certain people, or is it just your program the way you did it? So I do tailor it to everybody's needs. The curriculum I put together is a general curriculum of the must, must-haves. Got uh, it. But everybody, everybody learns differently. Everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. Everybody has different personalities. Like for me, my fiance always makes fun of me because if she puts on a podcast or a, she loves podcasts and she loves watching. Uh, Hopefully she loves ours. Yeah, I hope so too. Oh, yeah. And if she's listening to this, I love you, Natasha. You know, I fall asleep quick. If an audible, an audiobook, podcast, it, it, put, it literally puts me to sleep like a baby. Not when I'm on them, obviously, but I could read. Oh, I'm all the day. opposite, man. I, right. So I you're the stay opposite. away from a podcast. You get me to read and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I have some guys that can't, can't read or write at a 
a functional level. So, you know, for those people, I'll give them the audio versions of the curriculum or mm -hmm. instead of have them write down the answers to questions, they do a voice memo for me and we review it that way. I have a guy that's on house arrest. He can't, he can't leave to go to the Celebrate Recovery meetings. He can't go to the AA meetings. So I FaceTime him into them or find videos that are on the same topic and have him tackle it that way. I have some people that have a little bit less faith. You know, they're still, you know, I don't know about this God guy, you know? So I, I try to lean towards more of the secular things. So on their downtime, I'll give them more secular books to read instead of shoving, you know, biblical principles down their throat because that might turn them away. I want recovery to be attractive. So whatever I have to do to make it attractive, I tailor to different people's needs. One of the greatest things that uh, I ever got from Pastor Tim was that you cannot have faith without doubt. Mm -hmm. they, they can't coexist. That's true. I thought that was pretty powerful. Faith is coming through and persevering and right. seeing that you can achieve your goals, your outcomes. And one of the things I say to all the guys that come in and even people that aren't in my program, but people that just on a daily basis that want, because there's different levels of care. You know, I'm kind of sober living, but some people need inpatient long-term. Some mm -hmm. people, they're in a place where they might not even need sober living. They just need the curriculum and not need the sober living. But I tell people the same thing. It's, it's simple, but it's not easy. But it's simple one day at a time. It's don't get high, don't drink today, one day at a time. Today, don't get high, don't drink. Surrender your will to God or your higher power of your understanding. And it's a marathon. And the only person you're racing is the person you were yesterday. So like you said earlier about what you said to your kid, I wasn't the best version of me today. It's becoming a better version of you every day and just not reverting. When I do my um, trainings for marathons and triathlons, I haven't done one in a long time, but Garmin has a great motto beat yesterday there you go garmin said it better than me a lot and less less words <laughs> you've been listening to the collective perspective podcast a mature show with the intention of making a difference in society hey uh this is going to conclude our interview with tommy it has been really a privilege and an honor to finally sit down and get to know you better but also to put your word out there i could tell you right now with uh, the conversation with tommy is that He's having to turn people away right now. Correct. So his organization. Foundations of Freedom. Needs money. So please go to his website. www.foundationsoffreedominc.com slash donate. And if you want to make a difference in someone's life, for real, this is actively right here. This money is going to go to this person's life. I can tell you that Tommy is working on opening another home, but I mean, maybe eventually he'll have an entire apartment complex. That's the third time I heard that today. Yeah, it is. Well, it's going to happen, bro. I think, I think this is a sign that it's going to happen. I just want to say thanks, man. Thanks for coming. Thank you for your testimonial. That's uh, very inspiring. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And I thank you for the invite and allowing me to get out to more people and, and if anybody here is listening that is in that dark space in that rut i mean you're not alone and there's hope and it's it's simple but not easy and you can reach out to me or anybody from a church my church or do go you, to my website get my phone number and, and you're not alone do you know of any other organizations that are similar there's a couple i believe if i'm not mistaken i'm i'm the only men's nonprofit in jacksonville but there is a lot of great programs there's something called new life jacks and richard is the 
one that runs that. He has three locations in Jacksonville, very similar, and he's he has a heart for recovery and loves helping the next addict become free. Nice. Thank you. That's yes. great. Thanks again, Tommy. So there was a fact check that we wanted to correct, and Check's we'll thinking. let... Yeah, and since <laughs> Travis committed the violation. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I did he, the crime. We were talking about homeless stats in Jacksonville and in Florida, and I mistakenly said that the stats were related to Jacksonville. I think I mentioned uh, 27,000 homeless people in Jacksonville. That was a mistake. That was for the state of Florida. You've been listening to the Collective Perspective Podcast, a mature show with the intention of making a difference in society. So take a ride with us. Join us at the Collective Perspective Podcast, where your personal truths get a little power wash. Like what you heard? Subscribe to the Collective Perspective Podcast whenever you listen to your podcasts. You can also show support for our mission by going to buymeacoffee.com backslash collective pod and donating whatever you feel inspired to. We appreciate any help keeping the lights on to bring you thoughtful and researched content as part of this show. Visit the Collective Perspective Podcast show page on mtsjax.fm, Jacksonville's new music and multimedia network sponsored by Mixed Theory Studios. You can find the transcripts of this episode along with the show notes, material references, links you heard about, and more. Hey, I want to give a special shout out and a thanks to The Real J Dash, a Jacksonville hero, producer, and artist for sharing his original music with this show and to the Mixed Theory Studios for recording and production services. We couldn't have done it without either of them. Thank you so much.